The Detroit Pistons acquired Monty Morris this offseason in a trade to be their backup point guard. How big of an impact will he have on this team this season? We'll talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. We are on our way to 10,000 subscribers. So if you have not already, please hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. I would really appreciate it. Or you guys could also leave us a five-star review. Whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, that's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Later on in the podcast, we'll talk about what the Pistons should do with Killian Hayes. He's been in a few trade rumors. There's been some reports about the Pistons looking to move on from him. What should they do with Killian Hayes before the start of the season? We'll talk about that a little later. And also, what should Isaiah Livers go? How can Isaiah Livers uh, secure himself a rotation spot? What should be his goal to get there? We'll talk about that a little bit later, too. But we haven't really talked about Monty Morris a ton on the podcast, so I want to take some time. Excuse me real quick. Sorry about that. I had to adjust my microphone real quick. It was getting on my nerves a little bit. Um we haven't talked about Monty Morris a lot on the podcast since he was traded for, outside of the fact of just acknowledging that, yeah, he's the backup point guard, uh, good trade, good value trade, uh, good vet, blah, blah. Like, we never, we haven't really gotten, you know, dove into what he is as a player and what he brings to the team like that. Um, so that's what we're going to do today. So the first thing that Monty Morris, I believe, is going to bring to this team is some stability. The Pistons' guard rotation this past season was not stable um, with good play, I'd say. It, it was not a stable. It was very up, down, up, down, up, down kind of guard rotation. And that's going, you know, you can start with Jane Ivey to Killian Hayes to Corey Joseph to R.J. Hampton to whoever you want to out there. The entire guard rotation was not stable um, up and down throughout the entire season. And Monty Morris is going to be very, very steady and stable. Uh, he's been the same player basically his entire career. You're not going to get anything crazy from him. You're not going to get anything bad from him. Throughout his, uh, ever since his rookie season where he only played three games, in the past five, six, what is it, one, two, five seasons, he's basically averaged 10 points a game. He shot well from the field, shot well from deep on low volume, but shot well from deep, and he doesn't turn the basketball over. He's not going to wow you with any crazy plays. He's not going to do anything too incredibly risky. He's going to play how you want him to play. He's going to make shots. He's going to score a little bit. And he's not going to turn the ball over. So that's the main thing he's going to bring to this team that will help. Because all the other guards that the Pistons had this past season, whether it was Killian Hayes who struggled to hit shots consistently, whether it was Jay Nivey who played erratic at some times and turned the ball over a little bit too much, whether it was any of the other guys you're getting ups in one department and down in another. It's just very roller coaster like. With Monty Morris, you're going to get the same performance from him. It feels like every single game, every night, 
you're going to get the same Monty Morris, and that brings a, 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 a level of stability to your lineup that teams need. You need a sense of steadiness to your lineup, and I think Monty Morris will bring that as a backup guard. So I think that's one of the main things he'll help this team with. Also, he can hit shots. He's a good shooter. Um, this past season for the Washington Wizards, on spot-up opportunities, 81st percentile um, on 144 possessions. Again, he didn't have a lot of possessions in any one thing. Uh, his most used possession or play type was pick-and-roll ball handler, 220 possessions. Um, he was in the 83rd percentile of that, too. He just makes the right play. He's going to hit shots. He's a really good off-the-dribble shooter, too. He was in the 84th percentile this past season, all jump shots off the dribble. All jump shots, 76th percentile. On catch-and-shoot threes, he shot 38%. Um, actually, no, not 38%. My apologies. He shot, where is it? Yeah, actually, he did shoot 38% on catch-and-shoot threes. On open catch-and-shoot threes, he shot 41.7%. So this is a dude that if he gets an open shot, he's going to make it. If he can walk into a pull-up midi, he's going to take it. If he can walk into a pull-up three, he'll take it. He can do all of that stuff. He's not going to do it too too much. He's not going to force the issue. But if you leave him open, he will be able to take the shot and hit it. On pull-up twos, he shot 51%. Now, it was only 50, um, only 102 attempts, which is not incredibly much. Um, but still, shot 51% on pull-up twos. And then on 71 pull-up threes, he shot 38%. So again, just a guy who, he's not going to wow you with any one thing. He's just not going to. But you can guarantee yourself every single night you're going to get a steady level of play from him, the right type of play from him, and he's not going to lose you a basketball game, basically. When the Pistons go to the bench, they shouldn't have to worry about their backup guard potentially losing them a game. Doesn't mean he's not going to play badly sometimes. Doesn't mean he's going to. Um, it, it doesn't mean he's going to shoot badly in a game or you know ha- not have his best game best game every now and then. That will happen. But he's not going to be the reason why you lose basketball games. And there was a stat I saw on Twitter the other day. Um, it was tweeted out by NBA University, and it was the lowest points per possession in the half court this past season. And I kind of want to scroll their Twitter profile, see if I could find it. Um, But the Pistons, their two starting guards this past season were in the top three. Killian Hayes had the lowest, and Jane Ivey had the third lowest. Now, you expect Jane Ivey to get better in that. Uh, Killian Hayes is who was being replaced by Monty Morris. But the point, the reason why I bring that up is the Pistons had guys this past season who just weren't functional weren't great NBA players, especially in the half court, at their two main guard positions. Now, the return of Kay Cunningham, the improvement from Jane Ivey, but then also adding Monty Morris, who will be good in the half court. That could really just help the team, just that move itself. Simply seeing Cade come back and acquiring Monty Morris because the Pistons' backcourt was really inefficient this past season. So they are, they're taking big steps up in the efficiency department, and that could help their 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 win-loss record majorly next season without having to make any like crazy big move. Simply because Monty Morris is an efficient basketball player, he's going to hit his shots, he's not going to turn the ball over, he's not going to play the wrong way, and you know what you're getting out of him, that right there could help the Pistons so very much in however many minutes he plays, whether it's 20 minutes, 22, 23, 24, 25. 
however many minutes he plays when Cade's off the floor or a Jane Ivey's off the floor. When your best player's off the floor and he's on the court running your offense, you should feel you should feel fine. And as much as of a fan or a believer I am in Killian Hayes, you can't say that consistently on a on a night to night basis because his because of his inconsistency. So Monty Morris, I think he's going to help this team a lot simply by being him, not by trying to be anything great, not by trying to be an all star, not by trying to be some six man of the year, simply by being a steady veteran who can play the right way, who can make shots, and he's not going to lose you the basketball game. The Pistons need that, especially at this point of their quote-unquote restoration. So I think that's what Monty Morris is going to help the team the most with this season. Let me know what you guys think about Monty Morris acquiring him this offseason. What do you think he's going to help the team with the most this offseason? We're going to talk, uh, not going to talk about that. We already did talk about it, but I want to hear from you guys in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Hill, how you guys feel about Monty Morris. When we come back, what are the Pistons going to do with Killing Hayes? What should they do with Killing Hayes? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Last season, towards the end of the year, with the Detroit Pistons FanDuel, I was on there all the time. Incredibly safe, secure, easy to use, get paid instantly. All those things are absolutely 100% correct. Also, I was on there taking the over of Jane Ivey's assists because at the end of the season, he started to rack up more assists, and I don't think FanDuel is adjusting how they should have been, so I kind of was trying to take advantage of that. Um, so it's not just MLB. You can get basketball, NFL, hockey, whatever on FanDuel as well. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to your YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. We're on our way to 10,000 subscribers. I need your guys' help, obviously, to get there. So please hit that subscribe button. I really would appreciate it. Or you guys can leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So we just got done talking about Monty Morris what his acquisition means for the team, how he can impact the team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, with his addition, what that means is that Killian Hayes is going to be out of the rotation. Now, I did just read Keith Langless, uh, his Pistons mailbag, um, and they were at, he got asked a lot about Killian Hayes, and he said that he wouldn't put it past uh, to see Killian Hayes somehow get rotation minutes at some point this season. Um, he wouldn't be shocked if that ends up happening. I don't see how that could possibly happen. I don't think it is. I think that's just coach speak. I think they're just doing good. The people around the Pistons are not trying to come out and flat out uh, hate on them. But I think it's pretty much done for Killian Hayes in the Pist- in the with, with the Pistons, a part of their rotation. So what th- should they do with them? What what should they do with Killian Hayes? Because there's a report from Mark Stein that the Pistons were looking to at least as of I think two weeks ago, or was it a week and a half ago, somewhere around that time frame. As of then, the Pistons were trying to move Killian Hayes to try to free up some backcourt space, backcourt space, um, ease up 
the log jam that they had at the guard position. And also, Killian Hayes does not want to be riding the bench in a contract year when he's trying to build up his NBA value, improve, and become an NBA player. Especially in a, in, in a contract year, that's not what he's trying to do. So it's probably best for both parties if they moved on from Killian Hayes. So at least as of a few weeks ago, it was they were trying to look to move on from him. Now, talks with the Dallas Mavericks ended up falling through because they wanted Boyan Bogdanovich. They had a few conversations about it, but it obviously didn't go anywhere. So now, as of July, what is today? July 26th, what should the Detroit Pistons do with Killian Hayes? Well, I think they have two options. Um, they have, I mean, this is the only two options they have. One, they could trade him before training camp. Now, the problem with trading him is that, well, there's two issues that come with trading him. One, you may have to attach him with something else, maybe a, a second-round pick to move off of him. You may have to include him in a bigger deal, like with Bojan or uh, James Wiseman, if, if you end up wanting to move on from him and a team wants James Wiseman. Um, but you might have to end up packaging Killian Hayes with something to move move him to another team um, because teams know he doesn't have a lot of value right now. That's the first thing. And then the second issue would be um, you don't get much back for him. You're basically moving off of him just to move off of him. So that's the two issues that you have with trading him. However, the pros of trading him is that Killian gets to go to a fresh start, which I know we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but not just Killian Hayes. But it feels like every player that comes through the Pistons uh, organization since Weaver took over, Weaver likes to do right by his guys, and especially the first guy he ever drafted. He, he's going to want to do right by him. He's not going to try to go out and screw him over. So you basically send him somewhere that's good for him, and he gets to have a chance to try to you know, really catch on somewhere. And then also, you end up easing up the logjam at the backcourt. Um, and you free up a roster spot, potentially. Or you trade Killian Hayes for a guy at a different position that you're lacking. Um, again, you then go back to the problem of the guy you're getting back probably is in the exact same situation as Killian Hayes is in, a guy who hasn't worked out. Kind of like the Stanley Johnson time maker deal a few years ago that the Pistons made. They swapped guys who hadn't worked out so far in their career, and... That's basically the deal you're probably looking at there, or just a second-round pick at most coming back. So the problem with trading him is, or is that is that you're not going to get much back for him. You could potentially just be giving him up for nothing. Um, but then, obviously, the pros are you're easing up the backcourt, you're letting him get a chance somewhere else, um, and potentially getting a, someone back in a package deal that maybe helps or better fills out a different position on the team, maybe a wing or something like that. Um the other thing that they could do with Killian Hayes, which I'm starting to think is the most likely situation that they're going to end up doing with him, and I think at this point it probably is the smartest route to go unless, again, you're packaging him in a deal with Boyan. A team it wants Boyan, they take on Killian Hayes too because he's an interesting reclamation project, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, another, the other option is you hold on to him, and you see how he plays in training camp, you see how he plays through preseason, and see if he can earn his way onto the basketball court. Um, something that I saw a few people write, I saw Keith Langless write about it. I think I saw James say something about it. I also saw some guys at Detroit Bad Boys, uh, my former editor, uh, Sean Corp wrote about this as well. I believe I saw at the end of one of his articles as of late, but I've seen this quite a few, uh, times on, in the Pistons community so far. If Killian Hayes were to come into training camp, play well, um, come into preseason and play well, he has the type of size to where he doesn't have to play you know, playing him may not come at the cost of a Monty Morris. Um, if he, because it's going to be hard to outplay Monty Morris and make it to where you don't play him. So there is a world, I guess, although I find it very slim, that it actually has a chance of 
happening. I don't think it's going to happen. But I guess there is a world, because Killian Hayes is 6'5", has a long wingspan, plays the right way, high feel, etc., etc., that if he does come to the camp and he's hitting shots and he actually has improved on his jumper and it's consistent, he's hitting shots throughout training camp and preseason, he's playing well, that you could figuratively play um, Monty, Killian, Burks all together if Killian were to play his way into that kind of kind of position. Um, so that is something that could happen um, because of his size and his defense, defensive capability that you don't have to just play him at the guard or point guard spot if it came to that. Um, but the other thing is is that you just hold on to him for death. Like if someone were to get hurt, he can step in and play. Um, if a guy really starts struggling, like if Alec Burks were to just like struggle bad or Monty Morris just starts playing bad all of a sudden, falls off a cliff for whatever reason, you can plug Killian Hayes in. Um, if you trade an Alec Burks, if you trade a Monty Morris in like December or something, a, a deal comes around, you end up shipping them off for some assets or something. Excuse me, you could trade, you could just plug in Killian Hayes and he can play because you have that depth already on there. The other thing that comes of that too is that if Killian Hayes comes in and has a strong training camp, Killian Hayes comes in and plays really well in the preseason, then you could probably trade him easier. Um, because this past season with Killian Hayes, he was very up and down. Everyone knows I'm a, I'm a believer in Killian Hayes, but he was very up and down this past season, very inconsistent. He had a good two and a half month stretch where he was playing really well. He had a good 35-game stretch before Paris that he was playing extremely well. Then after the Paris game, it was all just up and down with him. You see some things, but some things aren't there. Like, for example, we talked about on the the last 20 games of the season. I've talked about it a lot. Last 20 games, he averaged 14 points a game, or I believe it was last 16 to 17 games, but averaged like 14.5 points a game, 7.5 assists, was shooting around 48 49% on twos, but his three-point percentage was at like 20%. So it's like, okay, he's drawing free throws, he's scoring more, he's finding more spots in the mid-range, he's averaging three and a half free throws a game, he's shooting 88%, but his three-point percentage is so horrific, it's pulling all of his efficiency down. So it's like with Killian Hayes, is if you get one thing, the other thing doesn't come. Now the three-point shot comes around, now the other stuff is, is struggling. Like he can't, he's only had one legit stretch of his NBA career so far during that 35-game stretch where both things were linking and he looked like a really good NBA player. But he's been way too inconsistent to believe in that if, if for another team to just take a chance just on that, I, I'd assume at this point. So if you were to hold on to him and he plays, you put out, he actually does play well in training camp. You kind of put out the noise that, like, hey, Killian Hayes is actually playing well in training camp. He's really giving these guys a run for their money. Preseason comes around, you play him some minutes. He's playing really well in the preseason. Now you can say, hey, he's actually built upon that good stretch he had this past season, he put in a lot of work this offseason. We think he, you guys, uh, maybe another NBA team looks at him and is like, okay, maybe that stretch was real. He's building upon it. We'll take on his contract. We'll take on his uses. So I think that's probably the best case scenario for the Pistons. I don't think there's any scenario where he's like legit a part of the rotation. I don't see that happening. But just the best way to navigate, the best ways to move on from him, I, I think it's holding on to him. Unless he's a part of a bigger trade, obviously, that could happen. But I think the best way to navigate a trade for him to get, like, the best possible outcome is to hold on to him to training camp, hope he plays well through training camp. Oh, he plays well through training camp? That's great. Preseason, he starts to play really well. He gives Monty Morris a real run for his money. He gives Alec Burks a run for his money. Like, all that happens. And now you can convince another team, like, hey, he's improved. Take him. We trade him. And then bada-boom, bada-bing. Like, that, that's, like that's, that's why I think it's the best-case scenario for the Pistons, the best way for them to navigate what to do with Killian Hayes. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think there's any future where he stays on this team moving forward. Um, and for someone who believes in Killian, like myself, I think it's the best thing for him as well. I think it's best for the Pistons to move on at this point because of where they're at um, and the guys that they've acquired to be like a steady presence, like I mentioned in the first segment. They're not in the, the, the ball camp of developing over, you know, steadiness anymore. So I think it's best for the Pistons to move on from him. Um, and I think it's best for Killian, too, to move on. Uh, the fan base never really was supportive of him, never really liked him for obvious reasons. He didn't play well. Uh, he wasn't consistently very, played very well at all. Um, so he kind of he needs a fresh start. And for someone who, again, for someone who believes in Killian Hayes, if he is going to build upon the stretch he had this past season anywhere, it probably isn't going to happen in Detroit. It probably is best for him to move on somewhere else. So I think it's best for both sides to eventually move on from him. Um, I just think it's probably best for the team. That we do care about the Pistons more than anything. I think it's the best um, possible, the best case scenario for the Pistons that they could get out of this, outside of including him in a bigger trade, potentially this offseason, is hope he outplays some guys in training camp, plays really well in preseason, and then you can use that film to, to get another team to bite and maybe give you a little bit more than than you were getting this past offseason. But let me know in the comment section down below what you guys think the Pistons should do with Killian Hayes. What should be the plan with their former seventh overall pick? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. When we come back, what should be Isaiah Livers' goal for securing a rotation spot with the Pistons this offseason? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, I, I, I know I mentioned that stat earlier in that second segment about the least efficient scores, whatever. I found the tweet right here, so I want to actually give you the exact numbers on it so you guys don't think I was making it up. Um, NBA University on Twitter tweeted out least efficient half-court scores. Killian was first at 0.73 points per possession, and Jane Ivey was third at 0.83 points per possession. So that goes back to what we were talking about with Monty Morris, that an improvement from Jane Ivey, simply the return of Kay Cunningham and replacing Killian Hayes with Monty Morris, a stable, efficient player, that, that should help the Pistons a lot. So just wanted to actually read the numbers to you guys. I didn't want anyone to think that I was, you know, making up making up the numbers or just talking out the side of my neck. Um, but anyways, Isaiah Livers, another player that I've been very big on um, and believe should be a part of the rotation this upcoming season. But he definitely is going to have some competition. He's going to have to earn his right to play on the floor this upcoming season. He's going to be competing with, I'm assuming, a Marvin Bagley. He's going to be competing with a, a Joe Harris. He's going to be competing with uh, maybe even a Sar Thompson for minutes, maybe even... Um, a Boyan Bogdanovich for minutes, an Isaiah Stewart for minutes. Um, if the Pistons, like we mentioned in that second segment, if the Pistons were to hold on to Killian Hayes and he plays well in like training camp and in preseason, they decide to try try running out a three guard lineup. He'll be competing for Killian Hayes for some minutes. Like he's going to be competing for minutes from the the three and four spot with anyone who can play those positions. I believe Isaiah Livers should be in the rotation, and he will be in the rotation. But what does he need to do? What should be a goal that he has to reach in order? to secure a rotation spot and be like a mainstay in the rotation, not being yanked in and out, but a mainstay in the rotation. I think the main thing for him is, and I could just say, oh, be a 3 and D player, but that's what he is. He is a 3 and D player. 
something he has to do. He has to maintain a high level of, he must be a high level shooter, basically, is what I was going to say. Now, again, I could have just said 3 and D player, but that would have been too easy, and that's obvious. I think he's going to be a fine defender. He's not. It's not like he's going to drop off the face of the earth as a defender. He is a good defender. He's a good team defender. He makes the right rotations. He talks. All that stuff. He's a good defender. I have no worries about him being a good defender on that end. I like how he tried to get a little bit more active on the boards this past season when they played him at the four. He tried to rotate down. He tried to be more active on the glass. Box guys out. Sometimes he was just too small to do so and make a real impact, but it wasn't an effort, a lack of effort, or... You know, not boxing out, etc. He he usually is the right place, in the right place at the right times, all the time defensively. So I don't have any concerns about that. What he's going to have to do offensively is simply be a good, to actually closer to a great catch and shoot three point shooter for the Detroit Pistons this season to really be a mainstay in the rotation. And I don't need to see from Isaiah Livers. I've said this before. After the Pistons traded Sadiq Bay and he got some more minutes, that Isaiah Livers that is. It was like, it felt to me like he kind of was, Dwayne Casey kind of just gave him like the Sadiq role a little bit. Like it was, it was like, oh, okay, Sadiq's not here. Here you go. You can have some more of these on-ball reps. You can you can dribble the ball a little bit more. You can do this. You can do that. We don't need to see Isaiah Livers with the ball in his hands trying to create. That's not where his value is. That's not what the team wants from him. That's not what he needs to be good at to be a good NBA player. All Isaiah Livers needs to be able to do to be a good NBA player and be functional for this team and really impact this team is catch and shoot, hit it at a high level, be in the right spots defensively, make the right pass on offense when 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 it's there, make the extra pass when you need to, attack a closeout if they close out hard on you, make the right play off of that, and be a good cutter, which he he's all of those things. He showed us all of those things. That that's what he plays like. But what they don't need is to then ask him to try to be a higher usage player, which they did ask him to do in the second half of the season. I don't agree with that. All his focus needs to be, I need to hit my open shots, I need to play defense, make the right pass, and cut to the basket when it's there. That's all he needs to do. That's all he needs to do. And he's one of the only players on the team, I think, that is capable of doing all of those things. Asar will be able to cut, play defense, but he, I don't think he'll probably be able to shoot out the gate. Isaiah Stewart, I, don't, I, I know everyone loves Isaiah Stewart. But he's not good right now as a shooter yet. He's not a good playmaker. He's not a good processor yet. Like, he showed flashes and all those things, but he's not there yet. So, there's questions with that. Bojan, you're not getting the defense. Isaiah Lewis is the only guy, I think, that can be a good cutter for the team, a good shooter, a good, uh, like a good off-ball passer to where it is, like, not like he's playmaking, but making the right pass, not holding the ball, sticking to him. You know, the .5 second offense either shooting, attacking, closeout, or passing. Like, he's going to be able to do that and then defensively be in the right place, be a good team defender. Like, he's the only wing I think they have that can do all of that. But it doesn't. it's not going to matter if he's not going to be a really good three-point shooter. His rookie season, on just 19 games, he shot 42%. Way too small of a sample size. Second season, 52 games, shot 36% on threes. Not great, not bad. I think it's around, I think that's just league average right there. Um, let me look at what league average was this past season from deep. Yeah, so he was above league average by 0.4%. So, a little bit above league average, not on a ton of volume, um, but also still relatively small sample size. He hasn't even played a full 82 games in his career yet. So, if he can get closer to that 40%, be around 38 39% three-point shooter on a higher volume, he, he's going to be forced to play. 
And I think if he gets around there, he's going to close a lot of games too. Because again, he's one of the only guys, the only guy on the team that can do all the things I listed. If he's also hitting his shots at an elite level from outside, not just a good or above average, like he gets back to where he was out of college, where he was with a small sample size as a a rookie. If he's shooting around 38, 39% on high volume, he, I think he closes a lot of games. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes, but that's what his goal needs to be. Hit outside shots. I'll leave you guys with this. This past season, on 73 possessions, he shot 41.7% on unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. That's 68th percentile. If you can, and overall as a catch-and-shooter, he shot 60, He was in the 66th percentile um, catch-and-shoot threes. Unguarded catch-and-shoot threes, he was in the 57th percentile. So, all of those, Synergy has it ranked as good to very good. So that's that's all fine and dandy. But if he can raise the volume of that and get to like the 70th percentile, the 80th percentile, so getting in those ranges where he's like an excellent shooter, he's a very good to excellent shooter, yeah, he's he's closing games. He's closing games because the Pistons don't have a guy who can shoot like that, defend like he does, make the right play, who processes the game well off ball, and cuts as well as he does. So that's what his goal needs to be. Be a high-level shooter, he'll play. He'll play, he'll close games, he'll play a lot. Um, and I think if he does do that and a particular player struggles, I think he could end up in the starting lineup too. But I, that's, that's, that's a different discussion for a different day. I'm not going to get into that. Let me know what you guys think. What should Isaiah Livers have to do to secure a rotation spot on the Pistons? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Till next time, peace out.